We're starting a brand new series called Core. And uh, Core is about the idea of what is central to the Christian life. What is it is essential, what is it that we have to have to really produce stability and power and grace and all those things in our lives. And, and the, what we're modeling after is really the idea that all of us have a core, right? As you can tell by my stature that, uh, you know, I have this amazing core, right? Amen? You're laughing. You're laughing. That wasn't a joke. I'm just saying. No, but our core, this, this middle section here, is what gives us strength and power and balance and uh, it gives us every, it's really essential to who we are. So it is in the Christian life. There are things that are essential to the Christian life. And that's what we're going to look at today. What is essential to the Christian life? And let's get away from all the things that are non-essential and really put our confidence in the things that are essential. That's what we're going to do here today. So go ahead and be seated. And we're going to jump right into that. So today, I am so excited about baptism, aren't you? Amen? Amen. It's going to be great. And if you look around, you can see people wearing blue shirts that says, I have decided. Raise your hand if you're wearing one of those blue shirts. Amen. Those are the people that are going to be decided. So, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm going to be speaking right to you today. Those of you in blue shirts, I'm going to be speaking right to you. And everybody else can listen and join in to the conversation, but I'm going to be speaking to you. So what I want to start out with is this idea that baptism is not core to the Christian life. It's not. What is core is what baptism represents. And that's what we're going to look at today is what is these people that are going to walk up the front here today and uh, get dunked in this tank. What is it that they are doing and why are they doing it? And what is core? What is the core belief system that they have in their life that would, that would make them want to do such a thing like that? So baptism gets its importance and meaning. Listen to me carefully. Don't, don't space out on me right now. Baptism gets its meaning and importance from the death of Jesus Christ. Outside of the death of Jesus Christ, outside of his resurrection, there is no meaning to this water. This is just water. There's, this isn't holy water. This is just water. And, and uh, what it represents, however, is holy. The death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and my being united together in Christ's greatest moment. That's what baptism, that's why baptism is such a significant thing. And so baptism only has meaning, listen to carefully, only has meaning because of what I just explained, because of that death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that needs to be understood first. Baptism signifies the end of an old life and it signifies the beginning of a new life. And in the Christian church, there are two ordinances. Uh, one is baptism and the other is the, other is the Lord's table. So I'm going to talk about the distinction then between an ordinance, because this, is, this has bearing on our conversation, the distinction between an ordinance uh, which baptism can you fulfill and what is the difference between that and a sacrament. Because, listen to me carefully, a lot of religious people have a lot of sacraments. But here at Grace Church, we don't believe in sacraments. We believe in ordinances. Why is that so significant, and why do you need to know that? Well, first of all, I'm going to just say this to my Catholic friends, and you are my friends. 
those of you that have come from a different background, this is important for you to understand the difference between why we would baptize somebody and why the Catholic Church baptizes someone. So listen to this very carefully, and I don't mean to be offensive to anyone, well, maybe a couple people, but that's all. And <clears throat> so then let's define the difference. A sacrament infuses grace. Let's start there. A sacrament infuses grace. In other words, if you, are, if you were a member of the Catholic Church, you would get baptized to be saved. It infuses grace. On the other hand, listen to this carefully, what we would believe is an ordinance symbolizes grace, not infuses it, symbolizes it. I don't get grace, I don't get grace because I go into these waters. I don't get God's power because I go into these waters. I get his power and his presence because what I've already committed my life to before I get there. Does that make sense? So listen carefully. So the people that are coming forward to get baptized are being baptized because they have already confessed a faith in Jesus Christ, have already been, listen to my words, have already been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ and are now expressing that salvation in a way that is expressive. This is, this is a word picture. God has designed a word picture for us to present to the world. So when you are getting baptized today, blue shirts, you are saying to everybody in this audience and those that are watching on video, you are, you are saying to those folks that I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for my salvation. And, and that is such a powerful statement for you to make. Now, having said that, to understand baptism, you must understand Romans chapter six. So we're gonna take about 13 minutes and 34 seconds to describe, not that I'm on a time clock, I'm gonna do what I want, but you know, that, that's, there's, that's a suggestion, it's like a stop sign, right? So, so I'm gonna take the next few minutes and I'm gonna describe to you some crucial, essential things that listen to me carefully, even if you're not wearing a blue shirt, you need to understand what I'm gonna to say to you, and if you don't, you're gonna miss the whole point of the Christian life. Are you with me? This is essential to understanding. Romans chapter six is essential to my understanding of how the Christian life works. So I wanna address people wearing blue shirts, but everybody else gets to listen in. So I wanna start with two life-changing truths that are essential for me to understand. The first one is the believers, the believers, listen to my words carefully, the believers' new relationship to sin. What happens to me when I say yes to Jesus? What happens to my relationship to sin when I say yes to Jesus Christ? That's a fair question, right? And so that's what we wanna look at in Romans chapter six. So in verse one, this is what it says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Then Paul answers that question by saying, of course not, since we have died to sin, we, how can we continue to live in it? So I want you to notice, I've underlined a couple words here. I want you to notice that the first thing I've underlined is, of course not. Now I underline that because I wanna point out something to you. This is one of the weakest translation. You realize that our Bible is a translation in the New Testament from Greek to English, right? So the, you know, the scholars looked at this word and they said, what, how could we translate that? And they took a weaker route on this particular verse of scripture. So I wanna translate this as, if I was translating the Bible, this is how I'd do it. If you're mad at me afterwards, I'm okay with that, but this is how I would translate it. The word that's translated, of course not, is a, the strongest negative particle in Greek that describes a negative emotion. 
This is the strongest negative way to say anything. That's the word that's used here. Are you with me? Yes? No? Maybe so? Okay. I'm going to start over if you're not with me. I'm just saying. Strongest negative particle in Greek is translated, this, of course not. And what I want to suggest to you, a better translation than of course not, and please don't be offended at this. I'm just trying to create an a understanding for you. It would be hell no. Right? That's what it would, that's what it would represent. Of course not is, you know, expresses a, you know, a civility and, you know, you know, it would just be nice. But I'm telling you that this particular Greek word is such a, it's, it's meant to bring shock value to you. And so should we continue in sin that grace might abound? The answer is absolutely no way, no way, Jose, no way are you ever going to be able to do that. And here's why, since you have died to sin. Notice I've underlined that too. So I have this new relationship to sin. And so let's talk about what does it mean that I have died to sin? And again, I'm gonna to explain to you that the vast majority of Christians that I know don't understand what I'm gonna to explain to you just now. And after the first service, I had someone come up and I taught this message in a wonderful and brilliant way. <laughs> that was a joke. Come on, lighten up here. And he walked up and said, and said just the opposite of what I said. And I'm going, okay, well, I better do a better job in the second service, okay? So here we go. So what does it mean that I have died to sin? What does that mean uh, for me in the process of my relationship to God? So let's talk about what it doesn't mean first. It does not mean that I cannot commit acts of sin. Because I do. I, you know, and so do you. You probably sin in the way to church today, right? In our parking lot. I'm just saying, Yelled at the kids, you know, had a little argument here and there. You probably acted in pride and arrogancy somewhere along your life. And I'm just saying, it can't mean that I can't commit sin, right? Because I prove that every day, that I can still sin. So it can't mean that. So what does it mean that I have died to sin? Well, I want to say one more thing here about what it doesn't mean. It doesn't say that the believer should die to sin. Notice that. This isn't kind of a, one of those things where you say, well... You know, it, it, your preferred way of living is not to sin. That's not what it's saying. It's not saying, it's not using the word should here. In fact, in the Greek language, this is a past tense. This is something that has already happened in your life if you have confessed Jesus. You have died to sin. Not that I can't commit acts of sin. So what in the world does that mean? That I have died to sin. Okay, now this is where you got to get it, okay? This is where the, you know, the guy in the first service didn't get it, so you got to get this, right? What does it mean that I have died to sin? It means that I have had that relationship terminated. I no longer have a relationship to sin. I've died to it because I've been united together with Christ's greatest moment. So let's talk about what that means, death means that I have no relationship to sin. So let me see if I can explain it to you in a couple different ways, in some humorous ways. So a couple years ago, my brother, who is a pastor, not as good as me. <laughs> Just kidding. Lighten up here today. So a couple years ago, my, my brother died. And, um, and every year, one thing that I could count on on my birthday was... Uh, January 25th every year. Every year I could count on my brother giving me a call saying, hey, happy birthday. 
And uh, you know, for the last couple of years, he hasn't called. Go figure. You know why? Because death, I want you to get this, death has temporarily severed our relationship between me and my brother. Death means then that I no longer have a relationship in this life. So that's kind of a way for you to start approaching this. In the same way, because of what Christ has done for me, I have no relationship to sin. Blue shirts, you have no relationship to sin. Doesn't mean you can't sin. It means that when you do sin, it's foreign to you. It's a foreign concept. You know, see, before I became a believer, I wasn't raised in church, so that's why you can see me that I'm so irreligious today on stage. I wasn't raised in the church, so listen to me very carefully when I say to you the next things I'm going to say to you. Um, Sin then becomes an intrusion in my life. It's not that I can't do it. It's that when I do it, I'm appalled by it. See, before I was a Christian, I was able to sin regularly and felt good about it. I mean, you know, it's my way of life, you know? I felt good about my sin and just leave me alone, don't judge me. I, you know, had to deal with God. Don't judge me, I won't judge you. And it was working pretty well until God intersected my life. But the fact is, when I came to Christ, all of a sudden, now I have this heightened awareness of when sin happens in me. And it appalls me. And I get to the place where I go, oh, I hate that. Everybody ever thought that after you've sinned? Oh, I hate, why, do I, why do I keep doing that? Why do I keep doing that? Because I hate it when it happens. The reason you feel that way is because you have had a relationship to sin severed. It is no longer you. It's no longer a part of you. It's something that you might occasionally do, but it's not your identity. It's not who you are as a believer. So let me see if I can, see if I can make it even clearer to you. So let's say tonight, I'm sleeping away, three o'clock in the morning, and a burglar, God forbid that this happens, a burglar breaks into my house and uh, is stealing my stuff. And uh, he notices my picture. My wife has a picture of me, so she can remember me. Um, He notices my picture and he goes, I know that guy. I know that guy. So he walks into the bedroom. He taps me on the shoulder, wakes me up and said, hey, would you like to have coffee next week? That would be just weird, wouldn't it? An intruder coming into my bedroom, robbing me and now saying, can we have a relationship? That's how sin works in our life. It's an intrusion. Do you see that? Say the word intrusion. Intrusion. Sin is an intrusion in my life. It's not who I am. So when I'm getting baptized, what am I saying, what I'm expressing is that my life has died to sin. I go down into the water. And by the way, the reason that is true is because God unites me. We're gonna get to this in just a minute, but he unites me with his greatest moment. So I'm united with Jesus Christ and he's dead to sin. So he goes down in the water. I go with him. And by the way, this is marvelous. Did you know? (laughs) This is good, (laughs) if I don't say so myself. In fact, I will say so myself. This is good. Did you know that when you got saved, when you came to Christ, listen to this, blue shirts, listen to me. Did you know that spiritually speaking, that you were placed on the cross with Jesus Christ? You were placed on the cross with him, spiritually speaking. And... You went to the grave with him, spiritually speaking. 
and you rose again. I'm gonna show you that, why I believe that in just a moment, but that's the reality of what this water symbolizes, that I died, my life is united with Christ, I've, raised, I've been raised to this new life, and I'm saying, again, a lot of Christians don't understand what I've just said, but I just needed you to understand that it's an intruder. Sin is an intruder in your life. It's like this. I'm, seven, I'm thinking 70 years old, and you know what happens to me sometimes? I get pimples on my face. And I'm going, are you kidding me? That's what I got when I was 13. At 13, it's normal. When you're 70, it's not normal to have a pimple right in the middle of your forehead, especially when you're coming out to speak. I mean, it's just not normal. That's how sin is. It happens, but it's not God's intent, nor is it, nor is it normal for your life. It's an intruder. It's an intruder into your life. And that's the message of Romans chapter six. Then we get to the second amazing truth, and that is the believer's new relationship to Christ. And this is what it says in verse three. It says, or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? There it is, right there. We joined him in his death. That's what Romans chapter six says. We joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ and by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, we now also may live new lives. That's the reality of Romans six, is that now, because I shared in his death, I share in his new life. I have been raised together, and I'm united together with Jesus in his greatest moment on this planet when he died for our sins, was buried and rose again. I now am united together with that. That's why I have hope today. That's why I can have confidence uh, in the process of my relationship to God. The believer is inseparably united to Jesus. And because of that, listen carefully, because of that, there are three indisputable indisputable truths that are real for my life. This is what they are. Because I'm united with Christ in his greatest moment, I am therefore accepted by the Father. That when the Father sees me, he sees his Son. I'm accepted. I am also secure. I can't be lost. All that the Father gives the Son, he loses none. I'm united with Christ. I am absolutely secure. This is, this is amazing. And because of that, I am significant. Those three things. So in a minute, we're gonna say those together. I just explained them to you. I'm gonna name them one more time, and then I'm gonna ask everybody that's gonna get baptized to stand with me and say those, and I'm gonna ask everybody in this auditorium, and even if you're at home, stand and say this with me. This is the truth. These are the three critical truths in, because of, of the reality of what Christ did for me. I'm accepted, I'm secured, I'm significant. So let's stand together, all of us, let's stand together. And we're going to say it twice. We're going to say it twice. Here we go. Are you ready? On my count. I am accepted. I am secure. I am significant. How do I know that? How do I know that? Because I am united together with Christ in his greatest moment. I am inseparably linked together with him. So therefore, everything that we just said out loud is absolutely true. Now, as you stand there... And as you, as you think about that, I now want you to say that with a sense of confidence before God because this is the reality. This is what religion can't give you. This is what church can't give you. This is the only, the only one who can give you this is Jesus. And the way he does it is unite you, 
you together with him. So let's say it one more time with a deep sense of conviction. I am accepted, I am secure, I am significant. And then the key verse, the key verse that ties it all together is this. Verse five says, since we have been united with him in his death, we also will be raised to life as he was. That is amazing. The reason, the reason I have new life, the reason I have new life, the reason I have new life isn't because I turned a new leaf over. It's because I'm united together with Christ in his greatest moment and it can never be changed. It is secure for all eternity. No one can take it from me. No one can steal it from me. That is my reality. That's, that's the truth that God has given to me. And I'm just simply saying, if you will believe in Jesus, that's the truth that God gives you. And that is not something that religious, religious people offer. It is only offered by Jesus. By Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. And my prayer for everyone being baptized today is that you will witness that truth in glory. And praise your Father in heaven who originated, who designed it, and is, will complete it. You are God's masterpiece because you are united together with Christ, dead to sin, alive to God, secured my future, and may it be a reality of how I live my life every single day. And the people that are going to come forward in just a minute, they're gonna picture that for us. But before we get there, we're gonna sing about it. God bless you.